Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and every now and then I like to hijack my own podcast and go on a little bit of a rant about something that is personally bothering me. I kind of think of it like my own tactical therapy. And this week I've finally gotten fed up with some information that I've been seeing put out there related to personal and home defense weapons, and I thought it was time that I apply a little bit of common sense to the conversation and give you my own opinions on these as weapons. But I'd love to hear you sound off on our blog, whether you disagree or whether you agree with me. But first, let me give you my side of the story. Check this out. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey everyone, it's Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And you know that if you ever want to start a knockdown drag out fight online, any like gun forum or on YouTube or in blog comments, all you have to do is pretty much just ask the question of what is the best personal and home defense weapon? Of course, everybody has their opinions, right? And, of course, it comes down to things like caliber, what's the best fit for you, what has the best stopping power. That's when it comes to firearms. But what about alternative weapons that are out there? Or, in some cases, advice that people are giving about firearms for personal and home defense. Well, lately I've been seeing some information put out both in the blog, but also in magazines and in some books that I've been reading about personal and home defense where people and so-called experts are making recommendations for certain weapons that, in my opinion, could possibly get you killed if you were to ever really try to use them for personal defense. And so what I've done is I've come up with a two-part series here. This part part that you're listening to right now is going to be part one, which is going to be the top five worthless weapons for personal and home defense, because I've made the list of the ones that I've, I've seen recently that it really scares me if people are really thinking of these as weapons, okay? And in the second part of the series, I'll also be going over five other weapons that people really don't know about or aren't really using that I think you should. But first, let's go ahead and get started with my top five worthless personal and home defense weapons. I'm going to go down from five down to one, okay? So real quick, number five is wasp spray. So if you've ever done any search online for home defense weapons, sometimes people, or oftentimes people, suggest using wasp spray instead of pepper spray as a home defense weapon. So the theory is is that wasp spray is, first of all, it's a poison, so it will do more damage. Second of all, it has a longer reach than a lot of pepper sprays do because it's designed to be able to hit wasp nests 25, 30, 40 feet up in the rafters of your home. So in theory, it has further reach, and it's more devastating because it's an actual poison. But this actually doesn't work very well as a weapon. 
in some cases for the reason why it's designed for wasp prey. So number one, it, 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 that, that stream that comes out is not like an instant laser that comes out of the can. You've got to shake that thing up, and then you've got to be able to get a, a solid hit on somebody, and it doesn't come out like really fast. So it starts to come out. It's a foam, so it, it starts to come out, and then it shoots out in a relatively short period of time. But in order for you to actually use it for defense, it would have to get somebody actually in the eye. So that's where the poison is going to take effect. So because of the time that it takes, it, I mean, if, if a felon is standing there in front of you at the end of the hallway and you have a can, you're shaking up a can of wasp spray to hit them, they know that you're going to spray them with something. All they have to do is close their eyes to be able to keep from getting hit in the eyes because that's the only way that wasp spray is going to work. The other thing is that where I live in Texas, we have a horrible wasp population. It's all over the place. They're always up in my rafters. They're always making giant nests outside my office. So I use wasp spray, but also where I'm at, it's very windy. So I've had wasp spray fly back, go into my eyes, and it really doesn't hurt that much. Now, I've been sprayed with pepper spray, and it hurts like instantly. The other thing is that pepper spray is really designed that even if you don't hit somebody in the eyes, that it goes into the sinuses, it, it, it makes breathing harder, it can cause coughing, it can cause choking, it causes uh, swelling of the eyes, it causes watering of the eyes. You don't have to get a direct hit into the eyes for it to be effective. So the long and short of it is that wasp spray is designed to kill wasps. And frankly, the wasps that I shoot, oftentimes they're kicking around for quite a while. In fact, some of them just fly away. So wasp spray designed for killing wasps, pepper spray designed for actual human beings that you want to try and stop. Okay, so get rid of the wasp spray. Number two, or number four on the list is the homemade flamethrower. Now, I literally just saw this in a, a home defense book, um, actually from a friend of mine, where this was suggested. And I have to say that I fell for this a long time ago as well. Actually, I, I fell for the wasp spray thing a long time ago until I actually got sprayed in the eyes and realized that it really wasn't that bad. But the flamethrower, the homemade flamethrower really comes down to a Bic lighter and an aerosol can like hairspray or something like that. So I want you to imagine that there, you're in a home defense situation and there's a, an escaped felon at the end of the hallway and all you have is a Bic lighter and an aerosol can to be able to stop them. I think right there, just that vision alone should tell you just how how clunky the mechanics are of trying to hold somebody back with a flamethrower that actually is not a 15 to 20 foot stream of flames, but is really only about three feet or so, and you have to be able to pull that off under the the mechan under the the stress, the adrenaline dump of a real attack. So it really doesn't hold up. First of all, if you get to the point where you're your life is depending upon a Bic lighter and a can of Aquanet. Something went horribly wrong in between there, and you didn't have your you didn't have your weapon on you or within reach for you to be able to defend yourself. That's no no number one. But it's certainly not a primary home defense weapon, or even a secondary, or a third, or fourth, or fifth. It's really not effective. I mean, if you think about it. Uh, I would not be personally, if somebody even had the flames out in front, all I would have to do is charge that person, knock it out of their hands, because as soon as your finger comes off of the aerosol can, there is no more flame. And you're not going to instantly 
burn up in, in into a charcoal briquette. So it's pretty easy to get past a an aerosol can flamethrower. Okay. Okay. Item number three on my list are car keys. So you see this a lot when it comes to women's personal defense. And guys do this also or, or talk about doing it also, but mostly you see it when it comes to women. You'll see a lot of women say, yeah, I'm prepared for an attack because when I walk to my car in a parking lot or a parking garage, I take my keys and I basically put the keys in between each one of the fingers. So you kind of look like the Wolverine walking around with these keys poking out between your hand. And in theory, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to punch with those keys, right? So this is another one of those things where if you pressure test it and you actually put your keys in your hand and you punch a heavy bag or anything that you can test this out on, you'll see that it fails pretty easily. Those keys do not have a stable platform behind them. It's not like brass knuckles. They're going to move um, when they actually strike any sort of a surface. Most likely you will hurt your hand. You'll, you'll feel it. It will pinch your your fingers, it will hurt your knuckles. They're, those keys are going to move when, as soon as they strike a surface. They're not going to do much damage to anybody. They're not sharp on the end of them, really. So, I mean, they're dulled off, so they're not going to just puncture somebody's skull. So it's really not going to do all that much of damage. In fact, it could be giving a false sense of confidence to anybody that tries to use it when they're walking through. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have something with you. Doesn't mean you have to have your a handgun in your hand as you're walking. There, there are better weapons, and I'm actually going to share some of those when we actually go into part two of the series. But keys are one of those things that I do not recommend that that people rely on for personal defense. Okay. Number two on my list, and and I see this a lot um, because a, a lot of people choose for home defense as a primary weapon, myself included a shotgun. And so what you'll see a lot of in comments on blogs and in forums and things like that is there's nothing like the sound of a pump shotgun to make a home invader soil his drawers. So you hear that a lot, like the pump shotgun, the sound of a pump shotgun. I, I've, I've, we've seen this on our own blog. We've seen it when it comes to our Facebook page. Um, I, I hear this a lot. So here's what I have to say about it. Um, I'm a big fan of shotguns. I personally uh, prefer not to use a pump shotgun, but even if I had a pump shotgun for, for home defense, if, if you are in a position where a, an attacker is close enough to you to hear you rack the shotgun, you shouldn't be racking the shotgun. You should have already racked that round, just like any other weapon. You should have already had a round in there. So it's, you should not be relying on the sound of a pump shotgun to be your defender. You don't want that person to know that you have a weapon. Uh, that just helps them prepare for how they're going to attack you, if they're going to carry on their attack. If, like, let's say that you are behind your, your bedroom door or you're in your safe room and somebody is trying to get in, then, you know, if you, t if you tell them that you're armed, they're not going to be at the door because they are going to be afraid that you're going to shoot them, right? So you want to back them off. You want to tell them that you've called the police, the police are on their way. And then if they do make it through that last, that last ditch door there, then you can surprise them. You want to keep that element of surprise that you have a weapon there. If they back off, they might just decide to burn down your house with you inside of it. 
and and take you out that way. So the thing is, you don't want to give up that element of surprise. You don't want to rely on the sound of a pump shotgun to be able to deter an attacker. Okay. Okay, and kind of along with that, so number one on the worthless weapon list is a, an, an, un, an unloaded handgun. So if you've listened to a lot of the experts that we have on, fortunately, this among tactical instructors out there, it's really not a question of whether or not you should carry a weapon or have a weapon in your home that's ready to go with a round already in the chamber. So you've probably heard this a lot, but I have seen it in some articles lately and things like that, that people feel like it is a matter of if you don't feel safe with a uh, with a round in the weapon, then you don't have to carry it. In fact, a lot of tactical schools show how to do like that Israeli, like draw and rack at the same time where you basically are drawing your weapon and as it comes up, you're racking the slide to be able to put a round in there. Well, we've seen even Israeli soldiers who have drilled this a bazillion times that when an, when an ambush actually happens, they pull out their weapon and they don't rack that round. You can see them trying to pull the, uh, trying to pull the trigger and nothing's coming out. And that can cost somebody their life. And the thing is, is that you can't rely on being able to rack, get that round in, especially in an ambush type situation where you might not even have both hands. You might have to fend somebody off with your hands. You might only have time to just get the weapon out, and you need that thing ready to go. That's why I believe that there are certain weapons that are better designed for a close quarters ambush than other weapons are. So, again, comes down to personal choice. I get it. But there are certain weapons that, for me, are designed for the realities of a close quarters no warning ambush, and we cover a lot of those in our close quarter, our close combat shooting, our extreme, our extreme close combat shooting course, in our stopping power report. We, we talk about a lot of the factors that go into what makes a weapon best suited for personal defense. But an unloaded handgun, really, when you think about it, gives up the power that the handgun has. Then you're just using it as a striking tool because you don't have a round in there and you're trying to fight somebody off. So, um, I, I like uh, my friend E.J. Owens, uh, I think, said it best when talking about whether or not, you know, about how to get used to having a round in the chamber. And that is really just to carry a round in the chamber, because if you have a good holster, a good Kydex holster, something that's going to protect the the trigger, the trigger guard there and is not going to allow objects to get in between the trigger and that, that could potentially pull it back and, and make a round go off, you have to have confidence in your handgun. And the best way to do that is to carry it because it's not going to go off. Now, I carry a Glock 19 and a Glock 26. Both have integrated safeties inside the trigger, so there's no manual safety that I have to turn on. When I pull that weapon out and it has a round in there, it's ready to go. So that might scare some people into not using a Glock or not carrying around in the chamber. I got to say that originally when I first started carrying a Glock, that was exactly how I felt. I was a little bit concerned because I wasn't used to the weapon yet. But all it really takes is just carrying it and getting used to it and having the confidence with it so that you know what you're doing. Okay, so uh, I, I don't want to see any, I'm tired of these articles saying, 
you know, you can rack, you can do this tactical draw and rack and, and all in one motion. Don't count on it in the real stressors of an adrenaline fueled attack there. Okay. All right, so that wraps up this week's Modern Combat Survival broadcast of what I consider to be the top five worthless weapons for personal and home defense. But anyone can just crank out things that they're against, right? So I want you to stay tuned for part two of this series where I'll also tell you five sneaky weapons that most people aren't using but should. And I promise I'm going to have some real surprises in there for you, too, and you're not going to want to miss it. In the meantime, be sure to leave your comments on the blog for this episode and let us know what you think. And if you're really digging the tips and you're, that you're getting from this podcast, don't forget to go on over to our page in iTunes and subscribe to our weekly releases and give us one of those prized five-star ratings, okay? All right, until our next Modern Combat Sparrow broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. <laughs>